welcome to Come Into My Kitchen, a food podcast with me, Daniel Mills Roberts. And me, Ralph Jones. We've always had a passion for fine dining, and in this podcast we decided to visit the world's very best chefs in the place where the magic happens, their kitchen. But before we meet this week's maverick, Ralph, bit of a fun one to chew on. How do you like your eggs in the morning? Well, one of the numerous interesting things about me is that eating eggs causes me to swell up to twice my normal size and erupt in angry hives. When I was a young boy, I ate a plate of duck eggs and looked like I'd been filled with helium and attacked by snakes. If I eat another egg, the doctors assure me I will die. But if you had to choose? If I had to choose, foiled. Fantastic. So tell us, Ralph, whose culinary cupboard did you open with your greasy paws this week? Well, I put on my football clobber and I went to Newcastle, where I met Gary Rackett, the official chef for Newcastle United. Come into my kitchen. The referee's a wanker. Just one of the many chants you'll hear resounding around the very stadium that I stand in now. It's the home of Newcastle United, of course. And as I walk towards the touchline, I can see the very man we're supposed to be speaking to in this episode. Get, get off the grass, mate. Get off the grass. Are you talking to me? Yeah, take your shoes off and come to the side. Okay, I'll just, there you go, just take my shoes off. All right, so I'm now over by the touchline. Sorry, Gary, I didn't realise I wasn't supposed to be walking on that. I suppose these are very tall heels as well. That wouldn't be doing the grass any good. I know, that's right. It'd, it'd play havoc with the water logging. And there's a game tonight and all. Yes, of course, Saturday, Saturday afternoon uh, as I speak to you now. And um, you're dressed in the full Newcastle United kit. Is that normal for you on a Saturday? I'm a fan of the club, you know. I've, I've been supporting since I was a little lad, so I put it on every time, you know. I suppose I'm secretly hoping that one day one of the players will be out for the count or something and they'll go, what do we do here? Gary's got his kit on. Get him out. Um, Gary, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. You're here to talk about your career as the team chef at Newcastle United. What a responsibility that is. Aye, it's massive, you know what? Because football, these days, people will talk about it. It's 20% skill, 10% effort, you know? And the rest of the percent, whatever that is, 80 90%, that's diet, isn't it, these days? Because back in my day, I remember when I started out supporting Newcastle, you know, you'd see the players before the game, you'd see them eating. You know, they'd be out there in the car park, they'd be eating any old shite. Some of them would be like halfway up a tree just eating leaves you know they didn't know what to do yeah but i tell you what they went out 3 p.m on a saturday and they still play like and some of them of course were were very overweight players now are, i mean very very slim very very fit and, and not at all like yourself if you don't mind me saying because you you're clearly um rather um rounder in shape i thing is mate what i'm hoping is that one day you know they might be out there playing and the ball will burst or something, and they'll go, oh no, what do we do? And then they'll say, oh wait, Gary, he's round. Well, you are renowned across the country for your cooking, and it was a surprise to some that you turned from restaurant cooking. I mean, restaurant is very, that's a very generous term, I'd say, for what I was doing. Uh, it was more of a stall. I see, okay, and, and, and it was that that prompted your 
career as a chef. Aye, that's right, yeah, yeah. It was the day that Peter Beardsley came down. That was when it all changed. He was going through a bit of a rough patch on the pitch, you know, he hadn't been assisting many goals at that time. And uh, I saw him there before a game and he was doing what the players would do, you know, eating any old crap. He was up on a little ladder and he was scraping, you know, that gunk you get in the, in the drain. He was just scraping some of that off and shoving it in his mouth. They didn't know what to do, these footballers. They didn't eat anything. And I could see there was a little crowd beneath him going, is that Peter Beardsley? I think that's Peter Beardsley. And he was just shoveling this stuff. Big mouthfuls of it, all like horrible and black. He looked dazed. He was As he was eating it, you could see he was going, is this food? I don't quite know. But he kept on going. And I shouted to him, Oi, Beardsley! And he... He turned around at mention of his name, you know, he was looking round, who said that, who said that? Just little bits of leaves and that pouring out of his mouth, his open mouth. And then he saw it was me, and at first he was, he was frightened, you know, he started like yapping. But then we coaxed him down, and I said to him, Peter mate, why didn't you try some of this? And I handed him on a little paper plate, one of my steaks. Mm-hmm. And he looks at it and he, he sniffs it a little bit, you know, he pats it and he takes a bite and you could see something come over his face. He was like, oh, that's food, that is. I mean, the, the image you paint of him is, is almost of some kind of feral animal. Is that the impression you got of him at the, at the time? I well, all the lads, they weren't very well trained, you know, in living independent lives. They didn't know anything but football. And you'd see them out on the pitch and they'd be fantastic, but get them right off there. I mean, you should see the lads in the dressing room. They don't know how to have a bath, you know. We'd have to be in there helping them. The water would be boiling, scalding, and they'd try to get in. They could drown. Some of them drowned. There was there was the incident, wasn't there? I know you were there at the club when um, three players drowned in the same bath in April 2018. But that must have been very traumatic because that was three of the players in their, in their prime who all just managed to some, some, somehow submerge themselves underwater. Why, and it could have been worse. It could have been worse because one of the coaching staff came in just as the rest of them were. They were trying to get in as well. And there were bodies bobbing up and down. And I think it was Andy Carroll. They managed to grab him by the hand and pull him back just as he was about to go the same way. They're like lemmings footballers. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. When was it that Newcastle recruited you? Because it wasn't obvious that you were going to be recruited by the club itself, was it? Did, did Beardsley put in a word? Uh, I wouldn't call it a word. It was certainly some noises, eh? But what really happened was he went out that day, later that day, after eating the steak, and he was fantastic. It was amazing. And the doctors afterwards, the team doctors, they had him lying down on the bed and that. And they were doing all tests, thinking, what's going on with Beardsley? He looks fantastic. But eventually they uh, they got a tube down his throat, had a look inside the stomach, and they saw a mistake sitting there, fantastic, and they realised what it was. So what they did was, they sort of fished a bit of it out, and they put it in front of Beardsley's nose, on a little string, from smelling it, he led them back to the stall. And from that day forward, they brought me in as the chef. Mm, mm. It coincided, of course, with a, a huge surge in form for Newcastle. Alan Shearer was, um, I believe, signed almost as a result of your culinary skills. Is that right? It was as a result. It was. He was at Blackburn Rovers. He'd been banging in the goals. Everybody wanted him. Juventus, Real Madrid, Manchester United. 
but he said I mean he, he didn't say it but he communicated it mm, mm. that there was only one place he was going to go he wanted to go where the food was great because he'd heard all about it mm. yeah so what they did was uh, on transfer deadline day that they were trying to get a word out of him they were like Alan where do you want to go we've got to do this deal 15 million pounds and uh, and he just ran out and they had to follow him and they were like where's he going to end up and he was just running through meadows through fields motorways all of that and they were following him in a little car and in the end he got up to St James's Park and they knew that's where he wanted to be because mm. he was he was in Blackburn at that point wasn't it so it was quite, quite a journey I took days they missed the transfer deadline day so he signed the next window yeah, yeah, um, and it must be almost like the, the the pride a father feels towards his son. You know your relationship with Alan. You you you've been with him. You were with him for his entire career at Newcastle, weren't you? What I'm most proud of with Alan isn't the football. You know, it's not those England goals, those caps. It's not the scoring records. It's seeing him up there on television. He's in a suit. He sat in his chair the whole time. You know, it's fantastic for me to see that. And he's walking on his. He's walking on two legs now. His hind legs, aye. Mm, mm, mm. Gary, let's talk about the food, if we if we may. And obviously, we've, we've come into the kitchen here, and it's not a conventional kitchen. Obviously, there's football boots and, indeed, footballs uh, littering the floor. Um, is this a hazard, do you think? I mean, are, are you, are you have to navigate your way through these footballs and presumably players wandering in and out the place. Is, is it a scene of chaos? Aye, it is. It is a scene of chaos. So you'll see here we've got these buttons on the wall and if I press that you can see just that gate closes automatically. This one here, that shutters come down so that all of this will be very quick because the players, if all of them start coming you've got to be able to get some kind of barrier in between yourself and them. What we'll do is uh, I'll open this hatch here on the wall and I'll slide the food through there. The players will go mad for that. So you'll have to chuck it through. You'll often be wearing a special glove or something in case they catch you. It's all set up really so that we can, you know, control them a little bit. Mm, mm. Um, and what, what do you tend to cook for them, Gary? You've mentioned steak, but I mean, is that a butternut squash there? The footballers, they'll come in and they'll, they'll want to sort of chuck around the food, play with the food. And I've got that one because it's the most fun vegetable, isn't it? So they wouldn't eat that. That's They'll sit on that and they'll hold onto the stalk and they'll just sort of roll around and you'll come in here, you'll see them shrieking and shrieking and laughing on there. And that'll, that'll amuse them for hours. So that's just a distraction there. It's very simple fare that they'll want. Because what you'll find with the players is they can't use a knife and fork. Mm, mm. Are they, are they kind of would would you describe them as as feeding times? Uh, is that how you've described the the appointments with the players? Uh, internally, we do with the players. We wouldn't call it that. We'd, it's the bell. It's when we ring this bell. That's the that's the signal to them. I think in science they call it Pavlovian, don't they? You ring the bell and they know there's food coming. That's right. Yes. So yeah. very important though. What we've got to watch out for is never to ring that bell if you don't have the food ready. Because that can be horrible business, you know. That's happened before. As I was going to say, that's happened before, is it? Yeah. I I used to have an assistant as well. It wasn't just me. And uh, he tripped one day and flung back. His head hit the bell and he was dinging. We couldn't get in here for days. But when we did, there was nothing left of him, you know. Mm, mm, mm. 
were there any repercussions for the for the players? For a while, Shaka Hislop lost his place in the team, so I, I guess he took the brunt of it. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about the the food and, and pushing it down that uh, that chute that you've got there. Is it mushed up all the food? Because I think they, they the players find it easier to eat like that, don't they? If you've just mashed it into a kind of pulp. That's a problem because they find it easier, but at the same time they're less keen on it. You know, they want the challenge. They want to. You know, they want to tear at something, particularly when they've come off the pitch. You know, they've been out there running themselves ragged. They don't want some slop, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you ever give them anything live that they can sort of um, feast on themselves? That's the bonus scheme. Aye. So if they qualify for Europe, it might be some lambs. If they get into Champions League, we're going up a level. It'll be a nice Wagyu cow. If they win the Premier League, which obviously hasn't happened, sadly, under my watch, but then, well, I'll I'll, I'll let you fill in the gaps there, really. But, um, well, I I, I mean, I that's a bit ominous. I mean, I'm not sure how to fill in the gap. It goes lamb, cow, and then is it a natural hierarchy, isn't it? I mean, I'm intrigued now. Is it horse? No, I mean, you know the hierarchy of the hierarchy of animals and man. Mm, mm. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, right. Slightly troubling that. It's not a problem. What will happen, Mike Ashley, the chairman, he'll source someone from Sports Direct from the workforce. And I bet it's a joy, isn't it, watching the players feast on 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 a on a live cow? I mean, it must be. It must make all of your hard work worth it. Well, you know what it means. It means that they've been successful. And you're, you're 61 now. Do you think it will happen in your lifetime, Gary? I hope so. I think I've got a few years to go because I've, I've had a good diet, you know. I'm not like the players. They die very young, a lot of them, because they spent their early years eating leaves and that. Because the other trouble is, once they lose the structure of the club, they don't know what to do with themselves. They're still hanging around outside. Look, if you open the window there, you see down, you see down to the car park. Yeah, is, is that um, David Ginola? That's Ginola, aye. Yeah, yeah. He's there every day. And he's a right state, isn't he? Do you remember him from the shampoo adverts? He didn't look like that then, did he? Presumably you feel sorry for him and do you throw him scraps occasionally? I did at the start, but you can't encourage it, you know? Because mm, mm. ultimately he's got, he's got to find somewhere else to go because we can't look after him, mm. you know? He's not, he's not a, he can't play anymore. Yeah, sorry Gary to interrupt. Is that Philip Albert down there? I oh no they don't get on they don't get on I might have to go and spray them with water if they start fighting but I that's him oh look at them there they're just going through a skip it's a sad sight mm. yeah that, that's a polystyrene block I think Junela's trying to he can't eat that he can't let me hang on I'll just shout out the window mm. oi Junela you can't eat that it's not food it's not food he doesn't understand a word the look teeth at him are there. very sharp the teeth are very sharp now aren't they is they get sharper and sharper, eh? It looks like he could sort of scale the walls, you know, just the way he was charging at it there. I mean, does that does that worry you? I'm slightly worried myself. It's crossed my mind. They seem to be learning. They seem to be learning. That's the worry. There's something there's something familiar about that that figure roaming around just behind them there, who's got a sort of. I mean, I, I hesitate to even say it. Is that is that Peter Beardsley himself there? Oh, you're right. It is. That's Peter Beardsley. Look at. It. I tell you what, it's great to see him. I'm glad he's still going. I wasn't sure. You know, because last I heard, he was living in 
I think it was a family's backyard. They spotted him out there. He had, he dug himself a little hole. Some of them go underground, don't they? They do. A lot of them live under there. I I, which is nice. I like the thought of them warm, at least you know, together. And the colour is very re- reminiscent of a badger set. Isn't it? The black and white. It is. I hadn't thought of that. That's nice, actually. That's a nice touch. Mm. It's nice they all keep their their shirts on. It's it's a good identifier. It's lovely to see. They people. don't have any other clothes, and they don't have the ability to take them off either. Mm. So. Mm. That's how it would be. It would be a real struggle getting them out of the kit at the end of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, and although, you know, at the time you would have had a good relationship with these players, does that worry you at all, the way they're lurking and, and, um, and licking their lips? If you get too close, it worries me, aye. But uh, I feel safe up here, and I've got this air rifle. If it comes to the crunch, we can take a shot at them, and usually that'll send them scuttling back. So that, uh, just, fires, just... that fires air out, is it? No, it, f- it fires little pellets. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. There wouldn't be any sense in, in what you're describing. That's an inverse hoover. I, I've got an air rifle. Um, a guy on eBay sold it to me. It, it fires it fires air um, very quickly out. You know, mice and spiders, just to scare them away. Just a little blow on them there, is it? Mm, mm. Yeah, I thought it might be the same thing, but you're talking about an actual uh, weapon by the sound. An actual thing, right? yeah, yeah. We need to check on them because I'm... I'm... Right, g- give us something to throw down. The button of squash. Give me the button of squash. Right, here you go. Yep. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I got Albert on the head. He's... Yeah, I mean, that dazed him, but he looks angrier than before, Gary. It's like I've kicked a wasp's nest, isn't it? Look, shut the window. Shut the window. Let's get out of here. Just whatever you do, don't touch the bell. All right? Okay, this... What? This bell? No! Hey! Which oh, one? God. I'm just checking which bell you didn't want me to touch. That, but that's the only bell, and you've touched it. Oh my God! I'm so sorry. Uh, what other bell was there, like? Oh, I thought it was a metaphor of some kind. Like, uh, um, you've rung the bell, and we're stuck in here. The players are coming. Do you hear uh, that? Oh my God! Oh, okay. Um, what do we do? Oh God! We've got to give them food. Have you got any food? Um. No, I'm sorry. There's only one thing for it. What? I'm sorry, I didn't want to have to do this. If you just open that drawer, the second one down. Okay. If you put on that Sports Direct cap. Okay, that's... Yeah. I'm just going to play the Premier League winning theme. No, Gary, no, 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 Gary. It's the only way. It's the only way, okay? They've been trained to know that when this anthem plays, they'll be rewarded. And that's what we've got to do. Now get through the shoot. God, no, Gary, if there, is there anything? Look, look at little Ryan Fraser. He's starving. All right, I'll do it, Gary. Just for you, I will crawl into this chute. Um, it's been, it's been good, Gary. Um, I'll see you later. I hope it all goes well through there. Come Into My Kitchen was improvised by Ralph Jones and Daniel Mills Roberts. <laughs>